0: Welcome to IdeaGen TV. Today I'm honored to have with us as our guest, Alan Miller, founder of the News Literacy Project. Alan, welcome.
1: It's great to be here.
0: You know, Alan, you're doing such incredible work in news literacy and with the News Literacy Project, of course, and I'd love to start this interview by asking you, would you kindly, for our global audience, describe what the News Literacy Project is and what some of your exciting plans are. I know there are many. What some of your exciting plans are for 2023?
1: Sure. We are a national nonpartisan nonprofit that works with educators and the broader public to give them the skills to know uh, what news and other information to trust and to be able to spot misinformation. Uh, We also instill an appreciation of the role of the First Amendment and a free press. And our aim is really to give people the ability to be equal, informed, and engaged participants in the civic life of their communities, and ultimately to help strengthen our democracy.
0: Well, what's not to like about that? What an incredible, and we could use more of that, obviously. Um, Thank you for all you're doing uh, to bring this um, source of truth uh, to the news world and to um, individuals really across the planet. And, and that's something that um, clearly is vital uh, within the democracy that we have here. And, and we come to you via our partnership and work with AARP and more specifically the Purpose Price would you kindly, Alan, tell us a little bit about your engagement and how you, you have come to know and be part of the Purpose Prize uh, at AARP?
1: So I'm greatly honored to have won the Purpose Prize through ARP for the, the work that I've done with NLP that built on my first career as a journalist. Um, and has given us an opportunity to really elevate our profile, uh, amplify our work, uh, and also to now engage in, in a much bigger way with ARP. So for our first 12 years, we were focused on uh, helping the next generation uh, middle school and high school students um, discern fact from fiction, and we continue to do that work uh, in every state throughout the country. Um, in the last couple of years, we determined that misinformation was such an existential threat to our democracy that we couldn't just wait to reach the next generation. We needed to reach all generations. So we've created resources for the general public. Uh, including a new platform that I think we'll talk about in a couple of minutes called RumorGuard. I'm delighted to be able to share that we have just reached an agreement with ARP to share our resources and programs on their platforms and social media to reach their 38 million members and to have them help guide us in a way to do that most effectively. And one of the things that's really exciting about this is that older Americans uh, are most, are the most affluent and most politically engaged uh, demographic, but also we are not digital natives. Uh, We are not only targets of a lot of misinformation, but studies have shown the most prone to sharing it. So we're really excited about the opportunity uh, to help older Americans become leaders in in pushing back uh, against misinformation.
0: And, and what, what just, I mean, it's just profound, and we are very obviously familiar with the Purpose Prize. And the fact that you won the Purpose Prize just about says it all. Uh, you know, during the uh, last three years, especially in the midst of the global pandemic that, you know, the world perhaps for the first time experienced at the same time, uh, there was a trusted source of information, and that was AARP. And... It's remarkable, and, and really, it, it makes total sense that you're taking that relationship to the next level with ARP as a result of the incredible work that you're doing. As you're looking at the landscape, you have a project called RumorGuard. And what does RumorGuard do, Alan, to um, prevent, to assist with the efforts that you're leading?
1: So we're very excited about RumorGuard. This is our latest major initiative that we launched in October, and it's a platform you can find at rumorguard.org. And this is a place where we debunk uh, the most prevalent viral rumors, and we show people why they should uh, not believe these. Uh, We also then uh, provide uh, uh, weekly alerts with posts, social media posts that people can share to push back uh, this is a very asymmetric battle uh, with those who are creating this content out there 24-7 and we need to kind of flood that zone uh, with, with the debunking. We then tell say to people, look, if you want to learn how to do some of this yourself, uh, we provide basic tutorials on how to do things like reverse image searching and, and what's called lateral reading, uh, where you get off what you're looking at and look at other, other sources. And what we really want to do is create a community of news literacy practice. We've kind of modeled this a little bit on on the Wikipedia model, uh, where people become engaged in pushing back against toxic disinformation and conspiratorial thinking and help to really assure uh, a future founded on facts. Um, We want to see a change in sort of the mindset around how people consume and share information along the lines we've seen around issues like drunk driving and smoking and littering where people do take a sense of personal responsibility. Um, The difference is those changes took a long time and we don't feel that we have a long time, Uh, that democracy, you know, uh, barely survived a stress test on January 6, 2021. And we really need to create uh, a a consciousness about news and information that can strengthen and preserve democracy in the future.
0: So, as we talk about the News Literacy Project and scale, um, what do you believe, Alan, is necessary to turn, to accelerate the News Literacy Project into what we would term a national movement?
1: Yes, so so that is our goal, to turn our mission into a national movement. Um, and we're continuing to work at the education level, as I mentioned, and, and working with thousands of educators to reach uh, hundreds of thousands of students. But we're going now from talking about you know uh, 4 million educators to 340 million Americans. And so we can't do this ourselves. Um, our hope is to leverage our proven nonpartisan resources, our expertise, our reputation, to work with other organizations that can help us get to massive national scale. So I mentioned ARP, which obviously is a terrific partner, but we're looking for new partners, new patrons, new participants who can help us create a newsletter in America. And, and we're excited at the prospect, uh, and we, we feel that we have a tremendous amount to offer, and that there's a growing recognition and concern, and you see this in uh, public opinion surveys, uh, about about this threat and about the need to combat it
0: well, and I think you know the pandemic is a great example uh, of of the need for the trusted source of information. You know that seal of approval that says, you know this is legitimate information, whether you agree with it or not is less relevant than whether it's legitimate, right so the you know the ability to share you know, trusted information is so vital. And I believe you would like to see, the News Literacy Project would like to see spotting how to trust, how to identify trusted information as a requirement for high school graduation, which, you know, in and of itself is profound, right? You believe, you wanna believe that you pick up whatever newspaper you'd like to read or (laughs) going into this century, you're now on the internet somewhere, in looking at Instagram, and what you see is trusted. You're a high school student, you're a you, whatever student you are, you're about to graduate, and yet you're consuming. And adults, by the way, same thing. But high school students, they're consuming information. They don't know what's true, what isn't. Tom Brady retired. Tom Brady's going back. You know, someone posts it, it turns into a viral rumor. He's back, he's going back to the Buccaneers. Is it true? By the time you figure out, you know, that he issues a statement that it's not true, we've wasted a lot of time. And that's not harming anyone. Maybe the other prospects for his job, but not harming society. So what will it take, Alan, to develop this skill, this critical thinking skill, of identifying, identifying that trusted information that we've talked a lot about today as a requirement for education in high school?
1: George, as you just said, uh, we believe this is an essential life skill in the age in which we live. It's really a survival skill. And we would like to see every state adopt it as a requirement uh, for high school graduation. I'm pleased to say that there are now three states that have this requirement, Illinois, New Jersey, and Delaware. Uh, Texas does as well it'll kick in in a few years um, and there are other states that are considering it um, so we want to advocate and encourage uh, states to move forward uh, and and to make sure that students have the ability uh, to be equal informed and engage participants in the civic life of their communities and the country and we think there's, a really, there's, there's really a responsibility and ultimately I think this is how you solve this challenge if you if you make it a requirement for everybody uh, moving out from college into the work world i mean from high school excuse me into the into the work world or into college or elsewhere
0: you know that's it, it, it's profound and 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 i'd like to take that maybe a step further so for our global audience the millions of people that watching this interview what types of mindsets What 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 are those markers that we're looking for when we're analyzing the validity the validity of news and content sources and other types of information? What are we looking for, Alan? What can you point to that says, aha, that's legitimate, trusted information?
1: Yes, and it's very important to underscore. We, we don't tell people uh, what to trust. We're giving them the tools to make that determination themselves. And so I would say the first thing is to pause uh, when you encounter any piece of content uh, and asking yourself, what are you looking at? Is this purported to be news? Is this opinion? Is this advertising? Uh, Is it raw information? Uh, Is it something that seems to be intended to inform you in an accurate and dispassionate and transparent way? Or is it something that seeks to sell, to persuade, or very important to inflame if it's something that's really appealing to your emotions, that's a red flag. Uh, because when, when something gets us angry or agitated uh, or fearful, uh, sort of the thinking part of our brain often shuts down and, and we act, react more, more viscerally. Look at the source. Is this a trusted source? Can you tell who created this piece of content? Is it a trusted source? Uh, what are the sources that are cited? Uh, is there evidence uh, to support the facts in, in the piece? Do you have multiple points of view? Are you be giving information to allow you to make up your mind about something, or does it seem to be pushing you in a particular direction? Uh, then you might look at the comments. You might look and see whether the, the, it's been fact-checked uh, by, by independent sources, including by, by RumorGuard, um, and particularly if you see it in one place, uh, it, it may well not be true, especially if it seems to be too good or too outrageous to be true. It's another reason to pause. The other thing to recognize, and you mentioned the pandemic, which is a good example, is that truth often takes time. You need to follow a story over time, especially when there's a fast breaking story that gets a lot of attention and, and, and appeals to our emotions. Um, as journalists are, or scientists are trying to determine the facts, uh, the bad actors come in and try to really set the narrative. And so that's a particular reason to pause, uh, and, and to wait until you're confident, particularly not only with whether you trust this, but very important, whether you share it, because the, the viral rumors, the toxic misinformation can't get the kind of scale that it reaches without so many of us often inadvertently, uh, spreading this to others
0: yeah that, that's exactly right and and so these are as I hear you describe what you know individuals should look for. Uh, what I'm hearing is uh, basic uh, journalistic principles. would that be right? I mean, you know uh, multiple points of view, fact checking, source checking. I mean these are things that maybe have not been as um, as rigorous perhaps or, subject to the um economics of what the news business is today i don't know (laughs) you can probably answer that better
1: so you're exactly right so we basically take the standards of quality journalism verification transparency accountability and we use them as an aspirational yardstick against which to measure all news and other information and we certainly point out that as you indicated journalism is imperfect in practice and we want the public to hold journalists to those standards as well, and and to demand that and to call things out when they don't achieve those standards. Um, But we also believe that if you're using those standards to measure news and information, um, you will find your way to high quality journalism sources as well as other reputable sources of content. And you'll also be better inoculated to ferret out uh, the kind of disinformation that is so damaging uh, to our public life.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's it, it's incredible. It's almost like citizen journalists uh, keeping uh, keeping that bar as high as possible uh, to make sure that um, that we're getting you know that to that trusted source, to that accurate accurate piece of information that you're. That's only your, what you're asking for, right? You're asking that what you're reading is accurate whether you like what it says or not, I don't think that's the point. The point is it's factual. Would that be right?
1: So, absolutely. I mean, look, today we, we are all our own editors on on what we are seeing on our feeds and elsewhere. And we essentially can all be our own publishers. So we want people to play those roles in ways that are credible, responsible and empower their voices. Uh, and I think that's that's really critical, that that sense of responsibility. So absolutely, uh, to to apply those standards to everything we encounter, to be skeptical but not cynical, and to recognize you know that all information is not created equal. I mean, there is good, more good and valuable information available to us than ever before, literally at our fingertips. The key is is to have that mindset and some basic skills uh, to be able to to sort out the information a week from the chaff.
0: So in 2021, again, this seems like a lifetime ago, uh, 2021, uh, Pew Research Survey came out with a fact that they came up with, based on their research, of course, that said that 30% of Americans receive at least some of their news from social media, I have not yet seen 2023, 2022. I imagine that's gone up. I, I just imagine that. But 30% is one in three, and so one in three Americans take uh, you know uh, some of their information for news from social media. What would you say, Alan, is the responsibility of social media type platforms to counter misinformation, disinformation? And is enough being done to um, filter to filter for what we've been talking about, which is trusted information.
1: So you know, starting in two thousand sixteen, in the wake of that election, uh, we really learned uh, just uh, what was been going on on the social media platforms and uh, how damaging it was, including the Russian disinformation campaign, and how slow the platforms were uh, to address and in some cases, even to acknowledge what was happening, uh, you know, through, uh, the feeds that they were providing. So I think there's a real responsibility of the platforms, uh, to have clear community standards, uh, that they enforce. Uh, I, I think that there is no place on the platforms for extremism, for hate speech, uh, for content that undermines our public health, uh, or democracy. Uh, I think that they need to be consistent and nonpartisan about removing uh, bad actors uh, who are creating that content. Uh, they should be more transparent about their algorithms. I think they also can adjust their algorithms to um, give higher uh, visibility uh, to credible sources of information and to push down uh, information that is uh, extreme. I think you know the fundamental challenge here is that the platforms, you know, they derive uh, their revenue uh, from uh, eyeballs and, and likes and clicks and shares. And that tends to elevate the most extreme, uh, the most polarizing, the most sensational content. And so I think that creates even a greater responsibility on their part uh, to tamp that down and, uh, and to elevate um, uh, reliable sources of news and information.
0: Yeah, exactly and and it just underscores how important your work is at the news literacy project and as we look at media literacy media literacy education in promoting civic engagement and democracy alan how is the news literacy project contributing to these goals
1: well, you know, this is at, at the heart of what we do and, and is what, what motivate, motivated me uh, 15 years ago uh, to leave journalism in the Los Angeles Times, you know, to start NLP. Um, you know, I think that our work is essential in terms of uh, educating the next generation and the public. I think it's critical uh, for the future uh, of quality journalism. However, it's delivered uh, on, on, on whatever platform on, it means. Uh, by creating an appreciation demand for it. And I think ultimately, um, you know, our work is absolutely vital uh, for the future and the strength of our democracy uh, by giving people, you know, the ability to be informed and engage participants in public life. You know, we've seen, you mentioned the pandemic, um, you know, just in recent years, you know, we've seen conspiratorial thinking move from the dark corners of the web onto the streets and into the U.S. Capitol. And whether it's the pandemic, or the 2020 election, uh, or uh, the rise of QAnon, uh, we've now seen that tens of millions of Americans are deeply invested uh, in conspiratorial thinking. And, you know, this is further fueled by our hyperpolarization, by a deeply felt sense of grievance among many, by our intense tribalism. Um, And so we really absolutely need to counter this uh and and to and to give people the ability to recognize uh conspiracy theories uh and to push back against them and and to talk to and deal with people who have fallen down those rabbit holes to try to bring them back um and we need to be able to do this to to, to have a fact-based reality uh you know because ultimately you know facts are the central nervous system of our public life you know they're the basis that we teach in our schools of our scientific uh, exploration and findings and of our effective public policy debates and decisions. And if they're in trouble, so is democracy.
0: You know, Alan, it's remarkable to have this conversation. I know we could go on for quite a while uh, because you and I are both passionate about trusted sources of information. I think it's, you know, it's, it's fundamental. Um, to the continuing um, democracy that we have and the success thereof. And so you're playing a vital role in that. News is changing. There's so much information. We didn't even touch upon, for example, health-related information. You know, you have back pain. (laughs) You have back pain. You search back pain. Tell me where you're going to get the most trusted source of information. To address your back pain you'll come up with ads first and typically in most you know uh, searches and on and on so the point is your work is more vital than ever we're appreciative that you left the la times 15 years ago big loss for the la times big gain for democracy so check mark there alan what is your call to action for our global audience today and how can everyone learn more about your work your trusted work at the News Literacy Project?
1: So my call to action is that uh, we all have a responsibility uh, to uh, give facts a fighting chance, and we're happy to play our role. So all of our resources are available at no cost. Uh, You can start by checking us out at newslit.org. I would encourage you to go to rumorguard.org, sign up for our weekly alerts. Uh, We have a weekly newsletter as well called Get Smart About News that debunks the latest viral rumors, conspiracy theories, and hoaxes. Uh, that you can subscribe to again at at no cost. We have an app called Informable. You can download it's a game that builds and tests all uh, news literacy skills for all ages. We also have a podcast called Is That a Fact? It looks at the impact of misinformation and democracy. Um, and uh, I would encourage you to to get involved, um, to to be be supportive, uh, to be an upstander for facts, and and we welcome you again as a, a partner, a patron, a participant we all have a role to play
0: here. Alan Miller, founder, News Literacy Project, changing the world, leading the way for all of us to have access to trusted information and to identify it. Thank you, Alan.
1: Thank you, George.